1: And now it's time to get to work. Adam, don't look now, but it's officially Denver Broncos Game Week. But as I said in my Play Colorado betting preview, after the devastating Von Miller injury, does it have to be?
0: I I I mean I guess technically it does have to be, but can we just could we just package up the 2020 season, put it in a nice little crumpled up ball and throw it into the dumpster fire that is 2020, and just be done with it. Uh, I mean, not to be dramatic or overly dramatic or melodramatic, but I've spent the last hour or so just wallowing in, in Twitter sadness. Um, this is this is unexpected to say the least, uh, and I'll, I'll go I'll go full disclosure here. This is the second time we're recording today because. We had to scrap an entire show and it's all Von Miller's fault. I'm very upset. I'm very upset. I, I, I'm very upset.
1: To tie into 2020, to make this even more 2020, the Broncos were practicing in the Pat Bowen Field Fieldhouse because of the weather, because it's 2020, because it was close to 100 degrees on Monday afternoon. On Tuesday, it was snowing and low and below 30. The low is expected to be around 23. It may get lower than that. So they were practicing in the field house. They were in shells, they weren't in pads. And it was literally the final play of the practice. And he steps wrong and snaps a tendon in his ankle. It wasn't his Achilles, but it might as well have been. Since he's gonna to have to have surgery to have the tendon repaired, and he's done for the 2020 season. Yeah. So <laughs> as I said on Twitter, live look at Broncos Country after this Von Miller news, and it's a scene from Ray Duanavin where he says, I'm gonna need biblical amounts of booze. It's uh
0: yeah, so to kind of to I mean, listen to me stutter through this here. To kind of just put this into perspective, the, the the issue here is more than just Von Miller being injured. It's it's the fact that going into this season that already felt like it was on top of us without any warning, right? The suddenness, and we talked about the suddenness of the season and how strange it felt with no preseason games. But you throw on top of that this season-ending injury for Von Miller, and as much as Von Miller has meant to the Denver Broncos since he came to came into the league and now what you're really looking at is potentially the end of the Von Miller era. I mean, this could be Von gone for good if you really want to get into it. And and so you couple that with the fact that he looked like a monster. He in all of the video you saw of him, the pictures that you saw of him, everything that you heard about him, the man was was laser-focused on making 2020 an incredible season because he heard the the whispers, right? And they weren't really whispers. They were just people saying that he'd lost a step. And he was out to prove that everybody was wrong. And it, at this point, I think what we all wish is that he had lost at least one step, and it was the last step that he took in practice where he injured his tendon. And it's just – it's really disheartening because we do have, I think as Bronco fans – We do have a sense of this was going to be sort of a redemption year. I'm not saying the Broncos were going to go win the Super Bowl. I'm not making that prediction. I'm not saying the Denver Broncos were going to be a playoff team. But there was going to be something about this team in 2020. And maybe losing Von Miller shouldn't take that away from us as fans. We should still feel confident about what is going to happen in Denver with the Broncos and Drew Locke and these young weapons that they brought in and his connection with Cortland Sutton. And you've got Jerry Judy and you've got uh, Noah Fant, I think is somebody we should be talking more about. And then this happens. And there is a, a a deflating sense of of sort of darkness that comes over everybody who is now thinking to themselves, just as you said, do we do we have to start the season? Is it necessary? Do we want to go through this? I don't know that we do. And and that maybe is just the the dark, foreboding sadness that is you lose Von Miller for the season.
1: Well, and as cliche as it is, the Broncos have to move on. It's next man up now. And we were talking about this before we started recording. What do the Broncos do? Mike Kliss with Nine News threw out a couple of, of edge guys who the Broncos could go after. I mean, they definitely have a cap base. Uh Kliss mentioned Cameron Wake, Terrell Suggs, Clay Matthews, and then he threw out Ziggy Ansah, Ryan O'Halloran. With the Denver Post, threw out what I think is the best idea right now, and that's for Vic Fangio to switch from a three-four to a four-three, because then that limits the edge guys that you have, and it limit. It, I guess it would limit the 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 stress and the pressure to perform. If you have a four-three, but we'll see. I mean, uh, we'll see what, what what Vic Fangio has up his sleeve. I mean, he's one of the defensive masterminds of the National Football League, so we'll see what he's able to do. But when you lose a guy like Von Miller, who obviously you touched on everything that he's done to get ready for the season, looking like a beast, but he also took on a more of a leadership role. And I think the, the one thing that impacted that was the loss of Kobe Bryant. He realized that he wanted to be more of a vocal team leader like Kobe Bryant was, and now you lose that. So there's not just going to be an impact on the field. It's going to happen in the locker room. You now lose that vocal leadership presence that isn't going to be there now. And it's going to put more of an onus on Bradley Chubb Who's coming off another ACL injury? Who's had some issues coming back, which is expected when you come back from a severe injury like that. So it, it this really does change everything. It really does change everything. I, I'm not saying that the season is over because the last time the Broncos were without Von Miller, they went to the Super Bowl. Obviously, a quarterback team. Peyton Manning was your quarterback at that point.
0: They the greatest offense in the history of the NFL. I mean, you know, a couple things different.
1: So it, it will be very interesting to see how the coaching staff responds, how the players on defense respond. But this is a crushing blow for the offense too because we talked about how good of a defense would help Drew Locke in this new assortment of weapons that he has. And that now that is impacted by this. So in the words of John Fox, who plopped it out there and expected it to perform all the time, next man up. And whether it's Jeremiah Tachu, Malik Reed, if they bring in Cameron Wake, Terrell Suggs, Clay Matthews, Ziggy Ansah, or as I suggested, why not just bring in all of them because they have the cap space. I, I mean, we'll see.
0: Yeah. We're, we're, uh, we're heading into uh, what we were only a few hours ago. So very excited to see, and that was the start of the Denver Broncos' 2020 season. And now, uh, this just throws so many questions out. Uh, it 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 makes it difficult to really get excited. And, and and let's let's try and and put a positive spin on this. That we do still have the opportunity to watch the birth of a new offense, right? We do still have the opportunity to witness. The, the sort of changing of the guard and hopefully see, and this is, this is I'm going to try and be hopeful, right? Rebellions were built on hope. We're hopeful that what we witness in 2020 is Drew Locke becoming that franchise quarterback that we all think he has the potential to be. I, I don't think there's anybody who's listening to this podcast that doesn't think that Drew Locke uh, has, uh, has a chance at being the future of the Denver Broncos franchise, the face of the franchise. What, is again, disheartening about it is you kind of wanted to see that baton being passed in a way where Von Miller was on the field and there was some sort of, of connection there. And, and for Vaughn, I feel terrible because what happens in professional sports when you get injured in is especially in football, and it's, it's almost sad to see you get these guys that they're standing around on the sidelines, they're wearing street clothes and they're excited for their teammates, but there's, there's no connection what, whatsoever. And uh you you know, you talked about Von Miller wanting to have more of an impact and wanting to be that vocal leader on the field and and be there for his teammates. And it, it doesn't matter what you do or who you are when you're not on the field or the when you're not on the court or when you're not on the pitch or whatever, it's it's near impossible to really be a leader on the team. And and so I, I feel bad for him in that sense as well. He wanted to be that. I think you could see him, and 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 I still believe this. He was turning towards that DeMarcus Ware stage in his career where he, and he's always done the pass rushing camp and those things, but he was turning into the guy that was going to teach these young players how to be professional athletes. He was going to teach them what it took to be successful in the NFL because somebody else taught him and he had sort of come into that. And he may still do that, right? We're not, this isn't a eulogy. We're not not at somebody's funeral here. We're not talking about being gone forever. But what we are recognizing is that Von Miller is not his, his career is not still on the upswing. His career is on. It's like, like I always say, it's on the back nine and with an injury like this, he's getting closer to the 18th. than I think any of us really want to admit. And that's, that's sad for a lot of fans. And I, I mean, I, we, I know he's a hall of famer. I know I means obviously a ring of famer. No, he's a hall of famer, uh, you know, super bowl MVP champion, all of those things. It's just disappointing. And if this is the end of his career in Denver, it would be one of the saddest things to have happened to a Denver Bronco or to any Denver sports figure that that I can remember as far as just the way their career ended aside from something really tragic like a Darren Williams type situation. So, So this could be sort of a sad moment that we look back on his fans and go, remember what happened? Remember how sad that was? And we won't know until, I don't know, I guess next season, I guess we have to get out of 2020 and hopefully we're able to do that soon. Like tomorrow would be nice.
1: And this brings up something that I was just thinking about. The chargers just lost Derwin James. Mm -hmm. What's a bigger injury loss. Is it Derwin James or is it Von Miller? Either way, it sucks because now you have two of the best defensive players in a division that's going against the best quarterback in the NFL.
0: I think that's a great question. Here's, here's what I will say to that. My belief is that the Chargers were a bottom dweller, right? They were not going to be good. I don't care what, I know it's Chargers season and everybody else you know, it has to talk about how great the Chargers are going to be and then they won't be great. That's fine. I've never fallen into that trap. I don't see the Chargers as a team that was going to threaten, that was going to be a, a team that might make a run at the playoffs. I think they're a couple years away if that. Uh, I think losing Derwin James is bad, but I don't think it takes them out of the running for the playoffs because I don't think they were in the running for the playoffs. I do think losing Von Miller for the Denver Broncos potentially hurts their playoff t- chances in a way that Derwin James being lost by the Chargers doesn't. So f- so for my money, and, and it isn't just because I'm a, a Denver Bronco fan, although I'm sure that that does sort of sway my opinion a little bit, I-, I think Von Miller is a bigger loss just because the Denver Broncos, I believe, were closer to being a playoff contender than the Chargers were. And now I think that the, the Broncos sort of take a couple steps back and are not as close to the playoffs as they were just you know, just 24 hours ago. I'm going to take a,
1: a, different, a, a different spin on this to, to make it more positive. We've talked about the negative. We talked about how much this could impact them in a negative way. But there's also a positive in that it could bring this team even more together, and it could allow people to step up who wouldn't have gotten the chance beforehand. When Jeremiah you got a chance in, that, in in the game last year against the Houston Texans, he stepped up in a major way and earned the respect of not just his players, his fellow players, his teammates, but Vic Fangio. Malik Reed came out of nowhere as an undrafted free agent. He now has the chance to really make an impact now. So, yes – we focused on the negative. We focused on they're without Von Miller. But this could also be a way that brings this team together in a more cohesive matter, in a more cohesive way. And they say, well, now everyone's doubting us. We lost one of our best defensive players. They're going to doubt us now. Let's step up and prove them wrong. And now you have the, like I said, Atachu and Malik Reed have that chance the onus is going to be on Bradley Chubb. Maybe he'll be even more motivated now to step up for his brother. Who's gone now, not gone, but off the field. So there are, there there is a way for this to become a positive. It just depends on how they how they respond to it.
0: Absolutely. I think that's a great way to look at it. I think it's a, a, a wonderful thought. Um, you know, we're all going to go through the stages of grief on our own time. And it sounds like you're at acceptance. So congratulations on, on making it all the way to acceptance. That's a, that's a pretty big bounce right there. That's, that's good. Whereas I'm not quite, I'm not quite at acceptance. I'm still at anger is, is confusion. One of them is uh, what, what's another question is questioning, right? I'm questioning things. I'm, I might be at frustration. I don't know. I know I'm not at acceptance. I'm Not quite there yet, but, but maybe, maybe soon, maybe after week one, I'll accept it. I don't know. I think it's because it's
1: 2020. So I'm pretty much sold and bought into anything is possible and anything will happen. I go back to the weather when you go from close to 100 degrees and wildfire ash falling from the sky to 23 degrees and snow the next day. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty much open that anything is going to happen in 2020.
0: Yeah, definitely. So I I guess I guess what we have to do now, because it is technically what we're supposed to be doing, is we have to talk about we have to talk about the the Tennessee Titans game. The Denver Broncos on Monday night to start the season, play the Tennessee Titans, and uh, we, we've already. We've just, again, full disclosure, we've already had this conversation, but I have a feeling it's going to go a different direction now that things have happened over the last few hours that have changed our opinion about the Denver Broncos and, and whether or not they're going to be successful. So I think let's go ahead and just jump right into keys of the game. Uh, my key isn't going to change uh, because I still think that, you know, from what I said earlier, I think it's the same thing but I will be curious to know. So I'll let you go first. What is your key to the game?
1: It's the same thing. And it's even more true now because of what happened with Von Miller. And that's to have a strong start, whether it's on offense or whether it's on defense, the Broncos need to come out and punch Tennessee in the proverbial mouth. And that was with Von Miller. It's even more true now. You don't want to get into a situation where you're playing from behind. And that was with Von Miller. Now it's without Von Miller. And I still think it's possible to do that because I really do think that this is going to serve as added motivation for this team. That it's going to bring it together. That it's going to really buy into the fact that no one is going to take it seriously now. That they're going to be counted out. And I think they're going to come out and they're going to want to prove a point on Monday that Von Miller isn't the whole team. There are still 53 other guys who can step up and lead this team. It makes it a little more difficult now, but I really do think that they're going to want to come out and prove a point. So a strong start is so vital in this game to get the juices flowing, to get them reminded that it is football, that if they do have this strong start, especially on defense, that yeah, maybe we can do this without Von Miller, and they can believe in itself that it can do this.
0: I like that. I think so. My key to the game is is the same key to the game, but for a different reason. Uh, and so when we talked about this earlier, uh, and and we believed that Von Miller was going to be there, I said that the key to the game was to score points. Which again, I will say is. I know how silly that sounds, right? It's sort of a dumb sounding key to the game because you're right. If you don't score any points, you can't win. But I was talking about scoring a lot of points. And and my, my thought process there is this is a team that is not quite ready to win close games. And so what they really need to do is go out and just blow out the Titans if they're going to get a win. And unfortunately, the shift there has to be they're going to have to score a lot of points because I think they're going to give up a lot of points. And even if they eventually become a more cohesive unit and this galvanizes them and the defense is able to overcome this adversity of losing Von Miller in the first game without him, having had no practice at all, and really sort of forcing guys into roles where they might not be ready or might not be comfortable, you're going to see a Tennessee Titans team with Derrick Henry running the ball and... and. Ryan Tannehill throwing at guys like AJ Brown and and, and sort of the, you know running that offense in a way that it's going to be not necessarily high scoring but efficient and that efficiency is going to lead to enough points that it's going to require Drew Locke to take on the role of leading this team down the field multiple times and scoring a lot of points. And so it's it's going to be imperative that this offense is able to keep up with the Tennessee Titans offense match them so that when it eventually comes down to it at the end of the game, they still have a chance to win, whether that be with a Brandon McManus field goal or a game winning drive. I really think this is going to end up coming down to something close. And and quite frankly, I am not confident that this offense is ready to win in a shootout where the game is close. I'm, I'm not sure I'm quite there yet, but Losing Von Miller to me means giving up more points on the defensive side of the ball, scoring fewer points on the defensive side of the ball. Like I I was feeling like there was going to be some defensive points scored there for the Broncos. I'm not seeing that anymore. And so now it is going to be even more on Drew Locke, even more on the offense with these young weapons and Cortland Sutton taking a leadership role and Melvin Gordon being being somebody who can control the football in the run game and Phillip Lindsay being able to control the football. It's going to take a lot and I'm not sure that I'm very confident about that, but that is going to be a key to the game because if they don't score enough points, I, I know everybody say, of course not. If they don't score enough points, they're not even going to be in the game at all to be close. it's They're going to have to score a lot and that's just the way that it is. So key to the game is you got to score points, got to score touchdowns I think is maybe the best way to say that. You, you can't just settle for field goals in this game because I don't think Tennessee is going to have to settle for field goals. I think this is going to be a high-scoring Monday night game. Sitting here and I'm I'm thinking about this.
1: I get that Von Miller is a leader on the on especially in the locker room. But what did he do on the field last year that makes us think that this is going to be some dramatic loss that they can't overcome? Because if you look at what he how he performed in 2019, he really didn't do anything.
0: Well, no, I think,
1: I'm not trying. I'm not trying to say that it, that it's not going to be a loss, but I, I think Von in, Miller in was sense, still
0: was he one of the over, league leaders in pressures? I mean, he was still getting to the quarterback. He just wasn't finishing, right? Isn't that sort of what the drop off was? The, just to, just to kind of, but despite all that they still
1: ranked number one as a red zone defense. And now you add something that they didn't have in 2019, and that's an interior guy in Jarrell Casey. I think his value is going to be even more important now without Von Miller because the things that we have been saying about Jarrell Casey and what he's going to be able to do to open up the edge is still true it's still going to open up the possibility for Bradley Chubb to get more pressures. It's going to open it up for Malik Reed and Jeremiah Tachi or whoever they bring in. I'm not trying to say that Von Miller, that that his loss is not going to be felt, but I'm I'm just, I'm trying to, to bring it back just a little bit.
0: He's reeling it in a a little. have, Have you step back from the ledge just a little bit? I mean, I feel like Wiley Coyote, like I've already jumped off the ledge, and now I'm just looking at you holding a sign that says, yikes. I know I'm going down, so it doesn't really matter. But I can see the ledge. I've stopped. I'm just not on the ledge anymore. Like I said, the
1: the loss of Von Miller is going to be felt. But I, I still feel like they have the recipe on defense to stop the Tennessee Titans. They did it last year. And now you add Jarrell Casey, who's going to be pissed off because he's going against the team that just traded him for a freaking seventh round pick and then gave his money to Jadavian Clowney, who's now wearing his number. So as we said on our previous podcast, there is no short of motivating factors for Jarrell Casey in this game. Now you add in Von Miller not being there. I, I don't know. I, I don't know if it's because I'm a Broncos fan and I have orange and blue goggles and orange and blue blood going through me, but I think this actually increases the likelihood that they blow Tennessee out even more.
0: Wow. Okay. So do you want, do, I wasn't, I wasn't at bold predictions, but would you like to make that your bold prediction? Like I'm you're, you're skipping things here, but sure. You want to make that your bold prediction? We well? can
1: segue to that. Let's go with key players first.
0: All right. I, I, I think that's probably smart. Players to watch is the next place to go. And I have to come up with a new defensive player. Because it was Von Miller. was Von Miller. I feel bad. Which Maybe is this is my fault.
1: Which is why we're re-recording the podcast.
0: That's right. I think it's
1: pretty clear who mine is. And it was actually the one I had when we first recorded. And that's Drill Casey. I think his, his value is going to be even more tantamount now. Because... It's something that the Broncos have lacked since Malik Jackson left, and that's interior, an interior presence in the run game, in the passing game. He is going to have an even more crucial role now, and I think he's going to step up and do it. And I, if, I just listed all the reasons why you were already um, there. Yeah, it's called. So I, I, is that I'm, a segue I'm or Is that
0: just where you very, very? You sort of stitched that together very nicely. I think I really enjoyed that.
1: It's the only time I know how to sew, I. W- but I, 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 think Jarrell, I'm going to be fascinated to see how Jarrell Casey steps up and performs in this game because I, because now his leadership is going to be even more crucial without Von Miller.
0: Yeah, I, I, I do agree with that. And in fact, my player to watch has shifted because it was Von Miller because I believed that he was going to have an incredible season based on just motivation that he, the motivation he had to prove everybody who doubted him wrong, but I am going to shift it to that leadership thought process. And so if it wasn't Von Miller in a leadership role, the the next guy that's going to sort of fill that leadership spot, in my opinion, for the Denver Broncos is Justin Simmons. And uh, I have, you know, everybody who listens knows I'm a big Justin Simmons fan. I'm a fan of him. Uh, Just as as much off the field as I am on the field and the way that he comports himself, uh, I think that he is one of those guys that commands respect from his teammates, from the people around him, and he is someone who I think is going to slide very nicely into a leadership role that he was really already in. Uh, I I believe that he and Kareem Jackson together are a, a pretty solid safety duo that kind of leads that defense in general right they stand in the back that's what defensive backs do and they kind of get people together and get them in order and get them in place and they lay the wood when they have to and so I think Justin Simmons has has got an opportunity here and so I'm going to sort of watch to see not just how does he play but but how does he interact with his play his teammates how does he go about uh, leading the defense, because that's clearly what his job is going to be, especially with the loss of Von Miller. So so for me, my player to watch on defense is definitely going to be Justin Simmons for that leadership aspect, because I want to see how he uh, steps into that, knowing that the guy who really was the leader is is now gone for the season, is not going to be around to really be that leader on the field that he wants to be.
1: I'm going to throw out another name before we start getting into the offensive players to watch, to go back to Ryan O'Hallor and he, and there's a name that's been floating around Broncos Twitter since this Von Miller injury news. It's uh, now his name is escaping me. Um, He's with the Washington football team, Ryan Kerrigan, who has defensive end and edge experience. He's in the final year of his contract. You know, he can do the job.
0: It's an interesting thought. That is an interesting thought. I kind of like that. Well, that's well. You know what? Maybe. <laughs> Maybe I'm not sure how I feel about replacing Von Miller. Could they just play with ten guys? Maybe that's what they should do. Just play with ten. My my team is on the field. I love Vic Fangio goes Hoosiers. My team is on the field. So I think you probably should put in an eleventh guy. I'm just saying.
1: So I, I do think there are some some options out there. I, I think the Broncos have to, ask, to act quickly because they need to get bodies in here so that they can get get tested for uh, – I, I think the, the, thing, the reason that the, the Kerrigan deal makes sense is that he's already been in the Washington football team's bubble. So he's right. already been tested for COVID, unlike some of these other guys who are still free agents. Do they have to come in and get tested. You have to wait a couple of days before they can even get on the field. I'm not sure how it works with a trade, but you would think that it, if he's probably been should. tested and have been allowed on the field, that it would easily connect and he wouldn't need to get tested again. He probably would be, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not, I think in terms of getting somebody in, that might be the way to go to avoid all the – the needed hurdles that are in place if they go with a free agent.
0: Right. I also think, though, and and this is something that that is is fairly obvious, anything that they do, it's not going to matter for the game on Monday night against the Titans. They're not going to get anybody in in time to actually have them get on the field. So you're running with what you have in, you know, sort of on your roster as is. And then whatever moves you choose to make, you're going to want to make those knowing that you want to try and get somebody in who can maybe get get on the field in game two. Right, So moving on, uh, going going past this and maybe possibly being able to get in to the game against the Steelers in week two because there, there's no way they're going to get on the field in week one against the Titans. And so it's an interesting thought for sure. Uh, so players to watch on the offensive side of the football because this is one where the, I think the offense becomes even more important at this point.
1: Mine is the same one from our first podcast that no one will ever hear, Drew Locke. I mean, this is... This is the year of the Drew. The Drew train is gonna leave the station. It's without its star defensive player now. I just see Von
0: Miller waving his hanky as as the Drew train pulls away from the station. He's got tears in his eyes. That's just sad.
1: It's it's totally Drew Locke. And I I think that he's going to to step up and realize the moment, because I think that's the type of player and the type of person Drew Locke is. Situation's not too big for him. It's now going to be even more on him now. The spotlight, whether it's the Batman spotlight or whatever, it's totally going to be on him now. Because, as you said, the offense is going to have to to really do something that it hasn't been able to do in five years, and that's score touchdowns. Lots of touchdowns,
0: totally. And and so I'm going to kind of piggyback off that a little bit. If Drew Locke wants to be successful, he's got to stay upright. And so my player to watch, or my players to watch, are Garrett Bowles and Elijah Wilkinson. I think left tackle and right tackle. And and I did say it right. I got his name right. You did. I had to pause. Did you hear the pause? A little pause there, make sure I didn't say holds, because it's just so natural. It's just, it's just the way it is. But that's that's where the test is going to be for the Denver Broncos. The that has been the biggest concern. If, if you haven't been concerned about the tackle position in Denver, then you've been watching a different sport. You haven't been paying attention because Garrett Bowles is, is somebody who has been a big part of the problem offensively over the last couple of years. And, and I mean that sincerely, he's a drive killer. He's a drive killer because of his penalties. He's the type of player where you get a big play and then, you know, flag on the field, holding number 72, you know, it's coming. So it is going to be imperative that he cleans up his game and he helps to keep Drew Locke upright and that Elijah Wilkinson is able to step up. You know, we're talking about next man up on defense. Let's not forget on the offensive line at right tackle. We're, we're next man up already and have been for a while with Elijah Wilkinson because Jawan James has opted out of the 2020 season. And this is the opportunity for Elijah Wilkinson to step into a role. Uh, We've talked I've talked remember talking to Benjamin Albright a couple of times about how, The Denver Broncos really like him, and it's been difficult on him because he hasn't played in the same position for uh, multiple games in a row. He never really knew what he was going to be doing until he got into the facility the week before or even just a couple of days before, and sometimes even on game day was when he was finding out what he was going to be doing. So this is going to be that opportunity for him to settle into a position and take control of it. Will that happen? I don't know. And and that's the problem with this offensive line is that you feel fairly confident with what you have on the interior. But if Garrett Bowles and Elijah Wilkinson can't hold down the edge, Drew Locke is going to be scrambling for his life and scoring touchdowns is going to be the last thing on his mind because he's going to be trying to just stay upright the whole time. So to me, those are your two players to watch for sure on offense. And uh, just a quick note,
1: for all the time that we talked about how Lloyd Cushenberry wasn't getting starting reps, he's starting at center on Monday night.
0: Yes. All right. That's finally some good news. Is it, is there any real good news anymore? Is any news good after hearing about Von Miller? I don't know. I'll just have to reevaluate, I suppose. So do you, do you have a bold prediction? I, I guess, I guess you kind of already made it, but go ahead and, and redo your bold prediction. Cause I, 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 I don't know that I do have a bold prediction here.
1: I'm actually gonna st- I'm, I'm gonna stick with my guns here, and I'm gonna say that Drew Locke still throws for over 300 yards and four touchdowns.
0: Yeah, I, you know what? Maybe I'll put out the the other podcast, and people can listen to it like they're in an alternate universe, like some sort of Infinity War, uh, you know, alternate universe where things are fine and Von Miller's still playing, and we can just pretend that Von Miller's still on the field. I like that though. Drew Locke has a big game. I, I'm fine with that. I think that would be an excellent. Uh, An excellent, excellent way to start the season. Uh, My bold prediction is going to change slightly, but it is going to change. I I think that the Broncos score 40 points. I do. I I still think they score a lot of points, but I think they lose. Uh, And so that actually uh, gives you my game prediction as well. I think they lose in a close one. I think they end up losing uh, something like 42 to 45 uh, by, you know, by a field goal, something close. I think you're, you're still going to see, This team struggle to win close games just because that's something that when you have a good defense, they can kind of help keep you in games. I don't know that they're ready to win a close game. And so I think they're going to score a lot of points, but I think they're going to give up a lot of points. And I think they're going to end up losing, unfortunately, on Monday night, uh, 42 to 45, which I am less than thrilled with. I'm going with
1: 34-17 Broncos. I I think that this is really going to bring this team together, I think it's going to, I mean, they were motivated to begin with playing at home on Monday Night Football, on national TV, excited to finally get onto the field and play against somebody else and to do it at home, to, to put all the stuff that's been happening in the country and around the world to not have to think about it for three hours and just play football. And now you add in the motivation of their leader being out and wanting to play for him. I I do think that this is going to serve as a way to bring this team together and give it even more motivation to play a great football game. And I think Drew Locke and the Broncos are going to put up 34 points. And I think the Broncos are going to win 34-17 and and start the season off with a win.
0: I I like your prediction better than mine. Uh, On that note, why don't we go ahead and take a a quick break. When we come back, we'll do uh, some series notes, We'll talk about some games to watch around the NFL, uh, and then we will we'll wrap, some, wrap things up. All right, we are back, and uh, kind of a fun thing that we've done in the past here. Uh, Ian, you do a really good job with this, so I enjoy it. Uh, s- uh, series notes, right? It's a little, little information about uh, the, the past series between the Denver Broncos and whatever team they're playing. In this case, it is the Tennessee Titans, and if I'm not mistaken, you're going to go all the way back to when they used to be the Houston Oilers.
1: That is correct because that's when the series would have started. Before we do that, the Broncos have won seven straight season openers at home. The last time the franchise lost a regular season opener at home was in 2011 when Denver lost to the then Oakland Raiders 23 to 20 all time. The Broncos are 37 and one in season openers at home. Of course, that was with fans in the stands in week one The Broncos are 28-6-1 all-time at home. Now for the series. The Broncos are 16-22-1 all-time against the Titans, also known as the Houston Oilers. Denver is 10-7-1 at home in this series. The last game at home in the series was last season when the Broncos won 16-0. Coincidentally, that's when they also held Derrick Henry to 28 yards rushing on 15 carries. If they do that again, they'll win. Absolutely. Thanks, John Madden. Denver will appear on Monday Night Football for the 29th consecutive year, the longest streak in NFL history. The Broncos are 32-41-1 all-time on Monday Night Football, including 24-12-1 at home. This is also Denver's 75th all-time appearance on Monday Night Football, which ranks fourth in league history. Broncos trail the Miami Dolphins, 85, Dallas Cowboys, 83, and San Francisco 49ers, 78.
0: That's it. You know, the Monday night football stats are really interesting to me. And a big part of the reason they're so interesting is the relevancy relevancy thing that we get when it comes to the Denver Broncos. Uh, For a team that's so irrelevant, as some people would say, uh, 29 straight years, and the longest streak ever to, to be on Monday Night Football, that's a big deal. That, that to me, is one of those things where you go, you know, it, Denver is not just some cowtown town, flyover city. The the Denver Broncos are a, a relevant franchise. They are one of the most important franchises in the NFL. And the reason that they constantly get on Monday Night Football is because they're always in the mix. And so right now, maybe they're not great uh, record-wise, but – even without having a great record, even without being a contender for the playoffs the last few years, the storylines around them have been interesting enough that you would want them to be a part of that Monday Night Football primetime setup, which to me is is a really uh, important part of, of the NFL in general and the way that they promote themselves. So uh, it, it is fascinating that people will tell you the Denver Broncos are not relevant, yet Monday Night Football keeps putting them out there uh, and sometimes to start the season. So, uh, you know, I, I love it. I love the fact that they're relevant enough that they're always on Monday Night Football.
1: And what's interesting is the streak started in 1993. You would think that those Broncos teams in the late 80s and early 90s would have been on Monday Night Football, especially since they went to three Super Bowls in four years. And then they went to the AFC championship game against the bills that they lost 10 to seven. So the only season that I can think that they weren't on Monday night football would have been 92.
0: Yeah. Like maybe they skipped a year. I, 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 I could see that. So you miss one year of Monday night football in the last, what is that? 35 years, 30, you know, 34 years. I mean, my math might not be perfect, but it's close. And, uh, yeah, I mean, that—that that is a, an incredible streak of not just being on Monday Night Football, but again, that relevancy where you know that this is a team that people want to watch. That's why you put them in primetime. So I, I love it that, that that is something that we can say about the Denver Broncos. And
1: obviously, this Von Miller injury is going to make the hill a little steeper for this game, but we'll see what they're able to do. In this series, I I mean, the fact that they limited Derrick Henry like they did last year when he basically ran through everybody, including the Chiefs, until Mike Vrabel and the the Titans decided to squander another, what, like three touchdown lead, just like Bill O'Brien and the Texans did the
0: week before. I mean, it was rough to watch, right? I mean, how many how many big leads were squandered by teams against the Chiefs in the playoffs last year? Just, I, I mean, it just kept happening over and over again. It was terrible. It's something I don't want to relive. Yeah, well, we just relived it, and I hated every moment of it. I hated it. Oh no, it's, you make a really good point. All right, so let's let's go ahead and take a look. Let's do a. Uh, a whip around the league a little bit, just kind of see uh, what games are, are sort of standing out to you. And I always like to start with the AFC West just to kind of see what's going on in the AFC West. And and obviously the season starts this year with the Kansas city chiefs playing that those Texans of Houston uh, to start the season on, on the 10th of September on Thursday night football.
1: Thanks Ryan pace for draft for not only drafting Mitch Trubisky, but trading up to take Mitch Trubisky. You're the reason that we have to watch the Kansas City Chiefs raise a championship
0: banner at yeah. Arrowhead Stadium. I set them up, you knock them down. It's it's good stuff. It's, I, I enjoy that. Uh, yeah, this it, I think it will be an interesting game. Still have Deshaun Watson in, in Houston, although uh, I'm surprised Bill O'Brien hasn't traded him for a sack of potatoes and a, and a, and a bucket of, of margarita. You know those margarita buckets that you can buy? Because that's how terrible he is at being a GM, as far as I can tell.
1: Right, he just traded the best receiver in football for nothing. DeAndre Hopkins is now in Arizona,
0: not in Houston. Making a gajillion dollars. He just signed that contract uh, that he negotiated uh, to make him the highest non-quarterback player, highest paid non-quarterback player in NFL history with the contract he signed with the Cardinals. So good for him, first of all. Fantastic. Very, very happy for him. Uh, and also out of the AFC yeah, and also not in the AFC and Bill O'Brien you must be the dumbest person in the National Football League aside from Ryan Pace obviously right just to just kind of circle back to that but but this will still be a good game i think that you know Deshaun Watson definitely makes that Texans team good and it'll be interesting to see if they can uh if if they can hang with the Chiefs and, and maybe have the Super Bowl champion Chiefs start their uh, championship season off with a loss because that would make us all very, very happy.
1: And then the other two AFC West games, you have the Las Vegas Raiders at Christian McCaffrey and the Carolina Panthers. I would tend to think that Christian McCaffrey is the reason the Panthers will win that game, mainly because the Raiders don't have a defense that can stop him. And then the Chargers are at Joe Burrow and the Bengals.
0: Yeah, I think the the Bengals to me are the team that's going to win that. I I just think the Chargers are too far away. Uh, we talked about the the Derwin James injury a little bit. Uh, I I know that they've got Joey Bosa. I I know they've got uh, was it Melvin Ingram. I I know they've got guys on defense that can play. Their quarterback situation is questionable at best. Their offense is probably too reliant on an Austin Eckler and Keenan Allen and not and and not really. Uh, set at quarterback enough to feel comfortable picking them I, I never buy into Chargers season which is just the preseason and so I, I'm actually going to pick the Bengals in that game to win if we're, I know we're not doing picks but that if we were that would be the team I would pick just because just I don't trust the Chargers I don't think that they're a team that's going to win a lot of games and they're also traveling east on Sunday uh, all the way out to Cincinnati that's a long way to go from San Diego or LA or, or LA But I mean, maybe they still fly out of San Diego. You don't, you don't know. Dang it. I can't believe I did it again. I I need a jar where I put a dollar in every time I mess that up. I'm not going to, but I I should get one. All right. Are there any other games that that catch your eye that you're interested in, that you want to watch uh, as we, as we sort of check out week one of the 2020 NFL season?
1: The thing to to note about the Chargers game is I'm curious to see what Chris Harris Jr. Looks like. Hmm. Not just in a Chargers uniform, but how he looks on the field. Because there were times last year where he didn't look good.
0: Yeah, it was bad. It was real bad. Getting burned. I mean, Tyreek Hill feasted on some Chris Harris Jr. I'll bet Tyreek Hill was happy. And I hate to say this because I don't like to talk about Tyreek Hill in nice terms. But I'll bet he was happy that Chris Harris Jr. stayed in the AFC West because he got to play. He's going to get to play him twice again this year. So. Uh, you know, Patrick
1: um, Mahomes probably liked it. Sure. Andy yeah. Reed probably liked it. Probably not as much as he likes to see a good burger or a steak, but on the same plate. Yeah. <laughs> like four or five of them.
0: Five sliders thought, and a steak. I, I, that sounds like a good Andy Reid meal.
1: Yeah. I, I will that. say Andy Reid was perfect. But what with what he said he's going to be able to do now with his championship ring is that he's going to be able to get free burgers with it.
0: <laughs> it was. If there was anything that was was quintessential Andy Reed, that's it. That right there is quintessential Andy Reed.
1: <laughs> Always thinking about free food. Yeah, you know I can I mean, go for
0: some free food. Dude's loaded and what he wants is free food.
1: Which is the be- and that leads to the best Andy Reed story ever when he's at Del Frisco's in Philadelphia, the guy comes around with steaks and says, "Which cut of meat would you like?" and Andy Reed famously said, "Yes." <laughs>
0: There were how many options was it four? There were four different cuts there and three or four or yeah, something like that. Like, yep, you just bring me that just cook that plate and then bring it to me and I'll be just fine. So All right, any other games that sort of stick out to you? Yes, there I mean
1: <laughs> It's Week 1. It, it, you you see after the Texans and the Chiefs on the NFL.com schedules page, you see the list and it says Eagles at football team which which football you may, team? You, may, it, you think it's a typo, but it's awesome because it it, it literally says Eagles at football team.
0: Like it's, it should say like to be determined almost. Like it should say like TBD. We don't know who they're going to play. We haven't decided yet one of those things. But no, it's the Washington football team because they are, have decided to not be racist and change their team name to just football team. I I, I mean, whatever. Welcome to the 20th century. I'm fine with that. Welcome to 2020. That's right. Where it's football team. <laughs> it's just where it's just football team, you guys. Uh, another another game that stands out to me, kind of just to kind of point one out: Browns at Ravens. Uh, I I'm, I'm excited to see, interested to see, sort of focused on what the Ravens are going to do this year. Um, I, I, obviously, not a big Ravens fan, but but they sort of look like a team that was that was on the cusp of winning a Super Bowl, had a rough playoff but still a team that's dangerous in the regular season. And they're playing a Browns team that last year was everybody's sort of darling pick. The Browns actually beat them last year, if I recall correctly in Baltimore. So that could be a really interesting week one matchup for, for both teams.
1: And another former Bronco is going to be on the field with Derek Wolf. So, it and that they have the disappointment of losing to the Titans. The Ravens were a favorite last year. And had they beaten Tennessee, Kansas City would have had to go on the road to Baltimore to play the Ravens. And I think the Chiefs have a a good matchup with the Ravens, so I still think the Chiefs would have found a way to win that game, even though it would have been in Baltimore. So it's going to be interesting to see how Lamar Jackson and John Harbaugh respond to to that difficult, tough loss in the divisional round of the playoffs last year. Because it makes me think of the 2012 Broncos losing to the Ravens and also the 96 Broncos losing to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Can that be sort of the the inspiration to come out and just completely dominate the next season? The, the two games that really stand out to me, for obvious reasons, are the, the Dolphins at the Patriots and then the Saints hosting Tampa Bay. So it's going to be the first season since like '99 that the New England Patriots don't have Tom Brady. And this is going to be our first chance to see Tom Brady in Tampa with Florida man back on the field, Rob Gronkowski.
0: Yeah, that'll be a fun game to watch. And, and again, it's it's against the Saints, which, you know, Drew Brees, Michael Thomas, Alvin Kamara, that offense uh, still looks like it's going to be dangerous. So So that could be a really interesting NFC South matchup. That that has playoff implications down the road. So you know Tom Brady with lots of new weapons. My, I mean, he is this the first year since Randy Moss left New England that Tom Brady is going to have somebody that isn't a tight end named Rob Gronkowski that Boy, really, yeah. I, I mean, that really is one of the best wide receiver duos. In the NFL, I know people say Julian Edelman was is was whatever great. Uh, I'm sure that's wonderful, but think about who he's throwing to with Mike Evans and Chris Godwin on that team, along with Rob Gronkowski. I mean, there there are weapons in Tampa Bay. There are there are certainly ways that Tom Brady could uh, turn that into a, a very good team, uh, as long as Father Time doesn't creep up and, and snatch him.
1: I think this is a game that could legitimately be like that Kansas City-Los Angeles Rams game on Monday night from a couple of years ago, where both teams just went back and forth. I think that could legitimately be this game in the Superdome in New Orleans because I don't think there's going to be a lot of defense, even though I think both teams have the potential to have pretty good defenses. Yeah, I would
0: say I think the Saints have a pretty good defense. I mean, Tampa Bay's okay, but I think the Saints have a, a good defense. But I think I, you're heading I, in the right direction here.
1: But I think this could be a shootout. This could be a, a game where you could see both teams get close to 50. Um, and then the other game that I'm that I'm eyeing that I think is going to be interesting is what the Steelers look like with Ben Roethlisberger back on the field. Obviously, he doesn't have Antonio Brown and some of those other weapons. Le'Veon Bell, that's now with the Jets. I'm I'm curious to see how an older Ben Roethlisberger looks coming off of an arm injury that kept him out basically all of 2019. So what do the Steelers look like? Because they pretty much – they were on the verge of being a playoff team with their third-string quarterback who wasn't even on their roster now. So what do the Steelers look like? You know they're going to have a defense. For some reason, Pittsburgh always has a defense. It's it's like – I don't know.
0: It's 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 like taxes and death. It always happens. Right, the Steelers have
1: a defense. Yeah, I think that's the only way to explain it. But I'm so I'm curious how Ben Roethlisberger looks and 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 what the Steelers' offense looks like.
0: Yeah, and you know the reason that that's a game to watch as well is because the Broncos play the Steelers in Week Two in Pittsburgh, so they're traveling to Pittsburgh. It's a it's a morning game essentially. I think it was 11 a.m. on on Mountain Time, uh, which is traditionally not or, or historically not very good for the Broncos. They don't play well. Uh, on the east coast in the morning that kind of thing. So, uh, it'll be it'll be interesting to see how good the Steelers look and and is that something that's going to translate into week 2 when they play the Denver Broncos when when Denver comes to town. And so it will be a game that I want to watch just because it you know, you got to scout your enemy a little bit, I suppose.
1: And the one thing about that game that's interesting just to get a little bit ahead is I wonder how much the Broncos will be benefited by not having fans in Pittsburgh. They're not going to have to deal with the terrible towel and those screaming Steelers fans at Heinz Field. So, yeah, that that's another reason to look at that game. It's, it's just it, – it is fascinating to be talking about football when I don't think either one of us expected us to be talking football because of how wild 2020
0: has been. I mean, it's been an insane – Build up. We didn't get any preseason. We had no practice games where we got to practice doing what we do. So that that definitely changes things as well. Uh, but uh, as frustrating as things have been over the course of the last few hours before we recorded this, with the news of Von Miller's injury and and the end of his season, I, I even still, I'm happy that we're back to talking about football and, and the games are going to be played.
1: And while Broncos country ended the day with crappy news the day started with crappy news and odell beckham you've been listening to mile high report radio get involved in the discussion at milehighreport.com and as always go broncos